Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the B-Ball Index podcast, brought to you through the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. Uh, today's sponsor is Untuck It, and I am your host for today, and we have our, I guess, our second solo Cranges pod of the podcast career. Today, I solicited a couple uh, questions from Twitter, and we've got some pretty good ones, so we're going to cover four that I thought would be insightful and, and interesting to talk about. The first one from our good friend Andrew Patton, who, if you haven't seen, uh, working with us, just released our NCAA gravity tool, our 3D gravity tool, so you can pick any player from most of the teams you can probably name in college. Not quite every team, but most of the teams, every Power 5 team, and just about every team we could think of that we could fill in, that we used to fill in our, for our brackets. Um, you could pick a player and then pull up their 3D gravity chart, and you can like click and drag it and rotate it around. Lots of fun. It's so much better than just looking at the still images that we'll use in our preview tweets. Um, so definitely check that out. And he also released something uh, partnering with uh, Krishna, where they took a look at versatility of defenders. Um, and Andrew also released a tool looking at uh, lineups for different teams and how disruptive they've been based on looking at the spatial tracking data and observing which lineups would lead to opposing teams shooting vastly different shot profiles against that specific lineup versus the way they shoot against other teams normally. So take a look at those two things, um, some really cool data visualization, some cool stats. But anyway, Andrew asked a question, what do you take away from a game where the opponent shoots an unsustainably high percentage from three? And he provides the example of the Knicks against the Sixers last night. I'm recording this on Thursday night, right after the Colts lost. So that would have been a Wednesday night game, Knicks at Sixers. And I think I should just start by saying, and I've had people ask me, hey, you know, KCP or, or Danny Green, and, and I get a lot of Laker questions. Why are these guys shooting so, you know, game to game, their percentages are so different. This is a 40% guy. This is a 35% three-point shooter. Why do I see 0% and then 100% and then 80% then 40%? And it, a lot of it has to do with just, it's just variance. It's normal variance on small sample sizes. If we just think of flipping a coin, which is a 50-50 shot, if you're only going to do it two or three times in a game, you're going to have results that vary widely. Even if over the long term, you're going to have around, well, you should have 50% heads versus 50% tails. When we have these shots that go in usually 30 to 40% of the time, we see a similar uh, phenomena. And this is, uh, you know, the, the, law, the law of large numbers. I would look that up and that's just saying that the larger the sample is, and, and I guess if we look at the aggregate over the season, the truer those results will be to the expected value. So if Danny Green's going to shoot 40%, the more we zoom out, the more likely it is that he will be shooting 40%. But if we just look at an individual game and two shots he took, even six shots, eight shots, the results can vary widely. So I wouldn't worry too much about that at a player level. But what Andrew's asking about is talking about a game where a team shoots unsustainably high from three. As a fan, I wouldn't take too much away from it positively or negatively. I think it's always good to understand in the games that you're watching 
what here is real, what here is luck. Did Steph Curry miss, you know, six of his 10 free throws? That probably won't happen all the time. We got a, got a little bit lucky there. Are we allowing a lot of threes to a good three-point shooting team and they just happen to be missing them? Um, or are we giving up threes to poor three-point shooters and they happen to be missing them? It's, it's always important to put things within context. In, in box score stats, don't quite do that most of the time. But regardless, I think it's important to understand as a fan wh- what is sustainable. And, and we try to answer questions like that at Basketball Index. And one of the things that does stabilize a little bit more quickly than, than the results of shots going in or out is shot profiles. So if a team is consistently able to get to the rim against you, or get a bunch of open threes. And, and, and the openness of the threes is important as well. And we don't have a great public source for this, but just looking at the different bins, as we'll call them, at the NBA Stats website, you can have tightly contested or contested or open or wide open threes. And teams tend to shoot better the more open they are. So if a team, for whatever reason, is shooting 60% against you on tightly contested threes for a game, you know, tough luck. Uh, I wouldn't worry about it over an 82-game season, over seven-game series. The NBA is in a position where the the better teams tend to end up where they should be. Um, Whereas, I mean, if there were a 16-game season and single-game playoffs like you have in the NFL, crazy things can happen. So as a fan, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I know on the team side, and and when I worked with uh, my, my team in college, we would take a look at that and we would look at really the expected value of each team from their possessions. And we might get to the end of the game and we lost 90 to 80, but our numbers say that, you know, if we were to play that game a hundred times, we probably would have won 85 to 75 or, or we would have won 90 to 80. So sometimes you could do things right. You could be playing your game. You could be taking good shots and, and limiting the other team shots and they can just shoot very well. You can shoot poorly. So that stuff happens, um, but it's really about making sure your process is correct and focusing in on running the plays and using the lineups and, and, and coaching to the right tendencies that generate those higher value shots. Um, you can look at, and I know a lot of high school coaches look at, okay, we run these 10 plays and for each play here is our points per possession. That's great. I see people tracking that for, for college games. Um, for teams running different sets. Okay, that's good. But if if they're only running 10, 20, 30 possessions, just like with the three-point shooting uh, on a shot-to-shot basis, that can vary pretty widely from what the long-term expected result would be. And wouldn't you love to know two games into the season or four or five games into the season how good a set play is versus you know 80% into the season? So that's why understanding the shot profiles and the types of looks, the the percentage of the time you're getting to the free throw line and turnovers, those things to me are, are more important and can advise the way that you should be evaluating your own set plays or your own lineups or, or your own player shot profiles or how you perform in a game. So I think that that's what I'd be looking at. Um, and Andrew knows this very well. Andrew, who asked this question, is, is the one that's been helping us unlock our ability to really visualize those performance performances at the player and team and game levels um, for individual games of the whole season, looking at performance versus expectation using some spatial tracking data. So that's something we're looking at at Basketball Index. And 
hopefully if you keep an eye out uh, in a day or two, I'll be t- writing up a piece that is an article. I'll probably do it about the Lakers because um, that's my team. Um, looking at some insights we can derive from each of the different components of our data and tools package and some of the other stats and graphics we have at Basketball Index. So you'll see a 3D uh, graphic for Kyle Kuzma, his, his shooting gravity in there. You'll see some of the luck-adjusted lineup stuff. You'll see some of the shooting uh, performance versus expectation. So those are, those are interesting things that can really add value. And again, as a fan on a one-game sample, sorry, Andrew, I'm, I'm guessing the Knicks shot well from three last night, um, but, but just keep on at it. The holidays are almost here, and you know what that means, gifts. And what better gift to give that guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, Untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall at that just right length, no matter his size. So he looks sharp and casual. I know when I'm trying to go out or have a, you know, just dress business casual, even sometimes I'd say it's more casual than business casual and try to have some sort of nice shirt. That's not quite just like a a nice t-shirt. There aren't a whole lot of options in my wardrobe. I have the long button downs that I mean, you need to tuck or they just look silly or I have the sleeveless, you know, button down t-shirts almost, but I don't really have that in between long sleeve button down that you don't need to tuck, which I think would look really sharp, very stylish, very comfortable to wear. And then compare that to with what Untuck it has. And, and I've even visited their, their uh, in-person locations. There's so many different colors and styles and fits, and you can find something that fits you just right and is perfect for that kind of occasion. So next casual Friday or when you're going out, Untuck it would be a, a great option to wear I would definitely check out just changing the game, absolutely changing the game in something that should have been done decades ago. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. The second question we got from Sam Cooper. And and actually, I want to tie this into another question. So Sam asks, can you list two early season surprises, one that you're pretty sure is sustainable and one that you're pretty sure isn't, and explain why? Um, Sam, if you you don't know him, is one of the co-hosts on the Timeline podcast, which is a Suns podcast on the Blue Wire Network, which I was recently on. And we actually talked about – I was with – Actually, we know we brought Mike, his co-host on here in, in a couple weeks before that I had gone on their podcast. But Mike, as you know, if you've been listening, we brought on here and we talked about the Suns and how their performance did look pretty sustainable. So I, I think maybe that's what Sam's digging for. But we'll tie that into another question, also from a Suns, Suns account. Um, this was from Sun Up to Sundown. And they asked, which teams have the most positive and negative regressions coming? So when we, when we talk here about regression, what we're talking about when, when we're referencing that is either teams that are playing better than perhaps their record shows or better than their net rating shows, better than that raw data shows, or maybe their, their actual play, their performance is worse than their record might show or their ratings might show. And, and especially when we get to record, that's, 
so influenced at these smaller samples by things like strength of schedule or, you know, if you close a, a couple games out well, you might make up for, for poor performances other at other periods. So one way, I, I think the way I'll approach this question is looking at the luck adjusted offensive, defensive and net rating data and the expected records from that, um, just using a Pythagorean expectation, um, which, which is just looking at your offensive and defensive ratings and saying, hey, teams like this with these ratings generally perform at this you know, win percentage. If we look at all of that, the raw data, the true data versus the luck adjusted data, there are a couple teams like the Spurs, the Warriors, and the Pelicans who I would expect to see some positive regression moving forward um, from a win column standpoint and from a net rating standpoint. Um, some with their more so with their offensive ratings, others more so with their defensive ratings. The Warriors are still not performing very well, but they have like a negative 11 luck. Uh, I'm sorry, negative 11 net rating right now. And that's, that's several points lower than their performance really has been. And, and they've been blown out a couple of times and that's perhaps why. So I wouldn't expect that to continue. Similarly, the Spurs and the Pelicans have been playing better than you might think if you haven't watched the games and you're just looking at their records or, or looking at those advanced stats. Several of the teams that, on the other end of things, are playing, they're winning more, they have better net ratings um, than we think they should, are the Nuggets and the Celtics. Both towards the top. Toronto is also up there. Um, and these are three teams that, I mean, there are still very good teams. But they're maybe one step higher in the standings than they probably should be. Um, so keep an eye out for perhaps some negative regression um, in, in for their performances to take a little bit of a dip moving forward. Nothing, nothing substantial. Um, one thing that stood out to me when looking at the data was that there isn't anybody that's playing way above or way below their heads just yet, um, except for maybe the Warriors. And their, I think their net rating was a whole like four points worse than it probably should be. And then if we look and uh, maybe get to a team that's legit where, where we don't see as much variance and, and get to Sam's question, the Suns. And, and we've talked about this uh, one or two podcasts ago, so I won't get too deep into it, but the Suns have been playing like an eight and five team so far, um, which is only one game better than their seven and six record, but their, their net rating, offensive, defensive ratings have been solid. And we've seen real improvements from their scheme, Devin Booker working off ball, working his magic, and some solid contributions from guys like Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Aaron Baines. And, you know, we love that good Mikhail Bridges uh, defense. So that's I'll say that's my answer to that question. A couple teams that, you know, either are over or underperforming and then a team that's, hey, they're legit. I'd say the Suns, I, I, the expectation for them should probably be playoffs at this point. Before we go to our next question, let's take a quick second to talk about Untuck It. All right, so we're back on the B-Ball Index podcast, the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Our next question is from Tim Coffey, and he asks, do you think that there is a connection between level of injuries slash where along with style of play in the modern NBA versus the past NBA? Is there a connection between the level of, you know, the degree of injuries, the volume of injuries we're seeing, the wear and tear compared to the style of play, and then maybe contrasting current NBA versus past NBA? 
he says, so could we 